What happens when heaven meets earth? When the eternal collides with our everyday lives? When an all-powerful and living God comes face to face with our circumstances? shows up, the impossible will happen. Our hearts and situations will be completely changed through His encounter. Hey church, so good to be with you. We're continuing our series on encounters. Through this encounter series, I want to give you very practical steps on how you can encounter God in your day-to-day life. I want to read for you from Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so that you won't be tempted to role-play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense His grace. Man, I love that verse. If you're new to the idea of prayer, or you're just checking out this Christian thing, what is this Bible about? I just want to tell you three easy steps for prayer before we get into the Word. Number one, this verse says, find a place where you can focus. All right, no distractions. Number two, be with God. Be yourself. You don't have to role play, just simply and humbly yourself. And you'll see the benefits from that because it'll shift your perspective. It'll go from you to God. Then you'll begin to sense God's grace. See, God's desire is to encounter us regularly. Not just on Sunday morning at 11 a.m., but that you would walk with Him and talk with Him, that you would have a real relationship with Him throughout the day, with the living God, a life full of encounters. If you open up your heart right now, You can encounter Him today. In other words, you can feel His presence. You can feel His love. You can even ask Him what He thinks of you. Man, when I wake up in the morning, I love to ask God, Lord, show me your love for me today. Lord, show me how much you love me today. Lord, show me how much you love me today. Hey, why don't you pray with me right now? You'll see the words on the screen. Just simply and humbly, let's pray together, all right? Let's go. God, show me how much you love me today. God, I want to have an encounter with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. That's it. Simple as that. We wrongly believe that encounters are only for God's few favorite spiritual elite, mature people, or encounters are once-in-a-lifetime phenomenon. But it's a lifestyle. You are God's favorite and He wants to encounter you today. Don't feel excluded. There's nothing wrong with you. God loves you just as you are. And He loves you as much as He loves Benny Hinn. Put it in the chat right now. You are forever His beloved. If your encounters with God are rare, today I want to encourage you, press in, lean in, desire more God encounters. Delight yourself in Him and He will meet you and He will give you the desires of your heart. 
God's desire is not only to walk through life with us and to be our Heavenly Father, but also to be our friend. Let's go to today's passage. It's John chapter 4, verses 4 to 15. But on the way, he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria. He had to. It was a must. It was he, Jesus, had to. There was no hesitation. There's no question. There's a divine encounter that God is about to bring into reality. It's about to take place. Verse 5. In Samaria, Jesus came to the town called Sychar, which is near the field Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus was tired from his long trip because Jesus is man as well. He's 100% God, 100% man. So he sat down beside the well. It was about 12 o'clock noon when a Samaritan woman came to the well to get some water. Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. This is happening while Jesus' followers were in town buying some food. The woman said, I am surprised that you ask me for a drink since you're a Jewish man and I'm a Samaritan woman. Remember, during those times, Jewish people are not friends with Samaritans. Jesus said, if you only knew the free gift of God and who is that is asking you for water, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Put it in the chat. I want some living water. Verse 11. The woman said, Sir, where will you get this living water? Man, this is one of the most important questions we could ever ask in our lives. The well is very deep and you have nothing to get water with. Verse 12. Are you greater than Jacob, our father, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, along with his sons and flocks? Verse 13. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give will never be thirsty. The water I give will become a spring of water gushing up inside that person, giving eternal life. Verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will never be thirsty again. And I will not have to come back here to get more water. Today's message is titled, Thirsty Nancy. Just kidding. Today's message is called, The Desire Dilemma. I want to talk to you today about encountering God in a deeper level and how our concepts of desire messes us up. You know, when it comes to our ideas of desire, right? What we desire, what we need, how we get those desires met and how do we get fulfilled? What Jesus is essentially saying is that what you are doing is good, but I got something better. It's great that when you get thirsty, you know, you've been tapping into this water, but I've got something truly fulfilling. I've got something that'll never run dry. I've got something that'll satisfy your soul. Something that you don't have to keep striving for. Something that I've got that, that is so real that you need it. Something everlasting. Something legit. I've got living water. Put it in the chat. Jesus is my living water. Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, I came to give life, life in all its fullness. Not just to get through life, 
Not just to survive life, but life abundant. That's what Jesus has for you. When I was courting my wife, okay, hang on. Somebody by the name of Son of Thunder is lighting up the chat here. He's wondering, what is the difference between courting and dating? Well, Son of Thunder, I'm glad you asked. I'll pause the message for a minute to explain. Courting is with the intention of getting married, right? Dating is not. Dating is like time pass. Back to the message now. Thank you, Son of Thunder. So when I was courting my wife, I didn't have much money. I left my dream job, which was working at uh, recording studios, to build a dream life with her. I wanted to impress her, so I went to the mall and I bought her a Prada handbag. Have you heard of that brand? These bags go for like three, four thousand dollars. And I used my Unagi and I got it at a bargain price at the mall, Pacific Mall. I was so smart that I even lowballed the, 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 the merchant from $35 to $30 cash. So my girlfriend, uh, Pastor Aram at the time, she was impressed for two minutes, all right? Then the zipper got stuck. And I, as a good boyfriend, I tried to like fix the zipper and it, the zipper broke. It looked real to me, but it was a fake. It was an imposter. It was a cheap imitation. It was a counterfeit. It was a replica. It was replicating that which was real. I present to you today, when we talk about desires, the enemy, our culture, our customs of this world... It has replicated what God wants to give us in authenticity. The things God has for us, the things God gives us, the desires God birthed in us, in our hearts. God wants to give us those things. God wants us to enjoy those things in a legit way. But the enemy, our culture, our customs of this world has replicated those things and perverted it. The living water the world has to offer is disheartening. It'll satisfy you for a moment, but it'll ultimately leave you empty. It'll satisfy you quickly on demand whenever you want it, but it'll leave you disillusioned. It'll satisfy you. The waters of this world, the things of this world will satisfy you in the heated moments of that relationship, but it won't last. It'll actually be detrimental to your relationship. It'll leave you used and depressed. Fake stuff don't last. The waters of the world look seducing, but it won't satisfy. You might think that you need it, but the water the world has to offer is dirty water. It's lifeless water. It's toxic water. It looks good on the outside, but it's deadly once you consume it over time. If it's new, it's not true. If it's true, it's not new. The only thing you can build your life on is Christ, the solid rock. Christ, the word of God. Because his word is everlasting. Because he is always true. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is the real deal. You can tell something is the real deal by its longevity. Is it time tested? Jesus is the only one. He was and is and is to come. Jesus saying to this woman, Hey, you've been looking for love in all the wrong places. All these men 
They overpromise and underdeliver. All these women that you've been running around, young men, they overpromise and underdeliver. And Jesus, says, but I've got something that'll last, something that'll satisfy your soul. You're running over here, you're running over there, and you're tiring and wearing yourself out, running back to the well to satisfy your thirst. But I have a different kind of water for you. I've got living water. And if you get this living water, you'll never thirst again. Here, Jesus is not talking about the natural water, but talking about spirituality. God's desire is to fulfill you. He doesn't just want to encounter you and just leave you. He wants to meet the desires of your heart. That He is everything that she is looking for. The world has nothing that will last. The, what the world has is, is temporary solutions for us. Cheap tricks, short trills, and temporary fixes for our needs that never seem to be satisfied. Don't get me wrong, the world does have solutions, but it's not going to last. It's not going to satisfy. Only the lover of your soul can satisfy your soul. Only God can fill that void in your heart. The fulfillment that comes from Him is the only thing that'll last. Let me say this. We believe in taking a wholesome approach. If you need counseling, go for it. If you need medical help, go for it. But none of those things can ever replace God's miraculous moments in your life. God's divine appointments. God's divine encounters. And God's power in your life. None of those earthly things can replace what God can do for you. He's still able to do what He said He would do. Maybe not the way you expected it. But Jesus will come through for you. He will come and save you. He desires to heal you. He desires that you be delivered. That, that you be propelled into a, a fulfilling life. You've got to bring your desires to God to fulfill it. Otherwise, the waters of this world will leave you high and dry. In other words, empty, broken. Anybody else would have just left you crying. Verse 4, Jesus had to go through Samaria. Jesus was a Jew. And back in those days, Jews would avoid Samaria at all costs. They would not go through Samaria because there was some racial tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. So the Jews always would go around Samaria, take the long way, put on extra miles, but they would not go through Samaria. But Jesus, aren't you glad we have a Savior who's not afraid? We got radical Jesus. He's not bothered by people's opinions. He goes straight into Samaria. He says he has to. I can imagine Peter would have been like, um... JC, Jesus Christ, JC, uh, JC, question. We about to step into Samaria. Just FYI, in case your Google Maps are not working. Jesus, like Peter, just watch. Just, just be patient. Just watch what I'm about to do. There's a reason why Jesus said he had to go there. He had to go because this woman was going to the well. He had to go. Let me tell you where you will always find Jesus. You can always find Jesus at the intersection of desire. You think Jesus is only found in the church. That's not the only place you find Him. You think Jesus is only found when you do a 21 day fast. But that's not only where you find Him. Check this. Jesus is found at the intersection of desire. 
and not even just a good desire, not even just bad desire, but at desire. Jesus is found at the intersection of desire. That's where Jesus is found. Listen, this woman desires water. She goes to the well. Where is Jesus sitting? Right at the well. Right at the place where she has desire. She's desiring water. Jesus is there. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you're looking for today. I don't know what you're desiring today. As you are searching, Jesus is sitting and waiting for you at the well. Bible actually describes Jesus as the well. Look at this picture. The natural well and the spiritual well sitting side by side. Jesus is giving her an option. You can either draw from me spiritually or you can draw naturally. You can draw from me living water or you can draw from the natural water that will satisfy you temporarily. Many of you draw from natural wells. Many of you draw from places that are just enough to get your fix and get you through the day. Because we got our Sunday mask on and we know how to play the church game. We are good at role playing. We look good. We greet everybody. Praise the Lord, brother. Praise Praise the Lord, sister. But we still draw our satisfaction. We still draw our worth and value and happiness from natural sources. But Jesus meets this woman at the intersection of her desire. Jesus meets her to show her that he knew her better than the multiple husbands she has and the FWBs to show that there's a better way, that he had something for her. Many of us don't realize that we need God more than we think we do, but we rush to fulfill those desires with other things, temporary things, quick fix things, on-demand things. If I asked you, do you want God? You'd say, of course. But there's a disconnect in our desire between what we know up here and what we do emotionally here. We've got blind spots in our lives when it comes to telling other people good advice and correcting others. We're good at that. We're quick. But when it comes to our own lives, we got blind spots. Because the conflict of desire is the disconnect between what I know intellectually and what I do emotionally. You're not alone. Paul, man, one of our role models. He even struggled with this very same thing. He says in Romans 7, 19, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways. Paul was educated. He was wise, yet he still struggled the dilemma of desire. We all have desires, good and bad. We judge people who act out on their bad desires and we pretend to be all perfect and holy. We judge people by their fruits, not by their roots. The Bible says man sees the face, but God sees the heart. Jesus always went to the root. Jesus always went to the heart issue. The desire was to get to the heart of the issue. I love Jesus because he's not threatened by the culture. He's not threatened by the customs of this world. He's not threatened by politics. The fact that as a Jew man, he went into Samaria and talked to a Samaritan woman. That was a big deal. It's a big deal because in those days, the Jewish men wouldn't even talk to their wives and daughters in public. When we read the story now, we're like, okay, so Jesus spoke. To the woman at the well. Cool. No. This is a huge deal. 
Imagine Peter and the gang and the disciples there, you know, they find Jesus chatting with this Samaritan woman at the well. They must have been like shocked and freaking out and speechless. Peter is probably like, yo, JC, Yeshua HaMashiach, my God, you are talking to a woman, FYI, and a Samaritan woman, FYII. Jesus like, thanks, Captain Obvious. Listen, church, Jesus didn't care that he was stepping out of the cultural norms. Jesus didn't care that he wasn't supposed to be in Samaria. It's religion that brings division. He didn't care that he wasn't supposed to talk to that woman. Jesus didn't come to create or establish religion. He came to break it. Some of us have the wrong idea that God only meets and encounters people who have it all together. But the truth is, none of us have it all together. Or that God only chooses people who come from a good family or people that are better educated, you know, proper education. That's not true. The people that God calls, the people that God encounters, the people that God meets with are at the intersection of desire. Jesus doesn't look for your good behavior. He looks to see how desperate you are for Him. He looks for your hunger. He looks for your thirst. Are you thirsty for Him? He looks for people who have a need. Do you have a need today? And if people need Him, He will show up for them. He's the God who will never fail you. He's Alpha and Omega. Imagine, as He's walking to this well, He would have passed by synagogues. He would have passed by Pharisees' house. He would have passed by educated, proper people's house. But He goes to have an encounter with this broken woman. And in one encounter, in one conversation, Jesus broke through racism. Jesus broke through sexism. And Jesus moves boldly, swiftly, precisely. Man, if it was us, maybe we'd be like, Hey, what do you think? What do you think? We need 30 people's opinion. We need to go to a Facebook group to ask the question. Ask the question. What do you think, opinion? Jesus is like, Oh yeah, I'm going to Samaria. I have to. Somebody needs me there. I don't care what you think. I have to go. She needs me. She has a need. Because God is drawn to your need. God doesn't criticize you for your mistakes. God is not bothered by your failures. God is not surprised by your sin. God is not bothered by your origin or culture. God doesn't see any of that. He sees your need. He is moved by your need. He's drawn to your need. You have a need today? Come on in. Meet Jesus, the living water. Jesus responds to need. Jesus responds to people who need Him. James 1, 13-15 says, And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. And He never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Desire can mess us up. It's the thing that we want. It's the thing that we think that we need. Jesus is always after the matters of the heart. He looks at the root, not the fruit. People judge you by your fruits. They don't care to look at the roots. We spend all our attention on what we are doing, but Jesus goes deeper. And He wants to know what we are desiring. And where are we Getting those desires met. That's the key. Desires are formed by the way we fulfill them. 
See, appetite is formed by what I indulge in. For example, if you're thirsty, if that need is met by Coke Zero, you'll slowly start to program your brain unintentionally that you need that Coke Zero every time you are thirsty. The original desire is now twisted based on how you fulfilled it. Another example, if you desire peace and you meet that need, say back in the day, not now, okay? Back in the day by having some Mary Jane or alcohol, that's how you got your peace. Now you got a desire to, oh man, everybody's like so quiet today. The chat is like so crickets, crickets. Everybody's gone so quiet all of a sudden. Nobody's talking. Maybe I'm reading your mail or something. Anyway, I'm talking about other people, not you. If that's how I got my peace, my desires are now formed around how it was fulfilled. Uh, and scientists explain it as this. Neurological pathways are created. The more and more you meet your desire with that method, it gets reinforced. But it's not the original problem. It's an appetite for the way that we filled it. This is how desires get out of control because we used a quick temporary fix to fulfill them. So whatever I used to, to fulfill my need has now become my appetite. That quick temporary fix now became the object of my desire because it alleviated the pain that was caused by us needing peace. This is how People step into addictions unintentionally. We get brainwashed by pop culture and customs of this world that say, I'm born this way and I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. We establish our appetites. We establish our desires by what we feed and what we starve. Second point, what you feed strengthens, what you starve weakens. We're going to talk about this at Reset this Tuesday. When you are fasting, don't look up delicious recipes. If you made a decision not to eat cake until you are married, but you keep scrolling through cake pictures and you keep looking it up for research purposes, or because everyone else is having cake, guess what? Your desire for cake is gonna get so intense. Not only is that desire for cake is formed, but it gets reinforced. And it's gonna affect and influence every part of your life and your decision making. If you feed that desire, it will grow. It'll keep coming up on your newsfeed. And as you keep scrolling on your social media, the more you look at it, the more you like it and love it and subscribe and follow and scroll and like and love and subscribe. And the more you feed it, the more it's going to grow in influence in your life. Technically speaking, you didn't have cake, but it's consuming your life. And you've now cultivated a greater desire for cake. In other words, awakening love before it's time. I'm talking a bit in code word today. If you know, you know. This is what happens in people's lives. In insignificant situations and serious situations, maybe people are in marriage relationships, always looking but never acting. But that looking creates a cultivation it's but cultivating unhealthy desires can you hear me is, is my mic working today everybody's gone quiet again in the chat hello say hi to me in the chat for a second okay all right see a lot of time we only judge the actions but we miss that the root of the action is desire 
We have to face what's in our hearts. We have to deal with our desire. We can try to control ourselves. But even Paul, he struggled. What he wanted to do, he didn't do. Because he had to learn how to discipline himself. He said he beats his body and make it his slave. I've crucified my flesh. I'm laying it down, Paul says. Because the desires that you feed become so strong that you will not be able to stop them. But the desires that you starve, those will become so weak that you can overpower them. It will weaken its grip. And as you get your heart healed through something like the recent course that we offer, your out-of-control desires will no longer control you. But you will bring it under submission to Christ. Our spirit man is supposed to overrule our natural man. Check this. My spiritual life is not supposed to be disconnected or separate from my natural life. What God does in us on Sunday at church is wonderful. But it's not just for Sunday at church. What God does in us during the 21 day fast is wonderful. But it's not just for those 21 days. What God does in me in a miraculous moment, in a divine appointment, what God does in me is not only for that moment. It's supposed to empower my natural living. You are called to live a supernaturally normal life. Jesus walked on this earth as a human. But he was submitted to Father God and only did what the Father wanted him to do. He was always connected to Father God. He had always a spiritual connection in the natural world. His spiritual life empowered his natural life. To live in constant communion with God is God's desire for you. Where is your desire today? What are you focused on? Point number three, our need is met in Christ alone. It's easy to say, but do we truly believe it? Pastor Deshan, why are you saying that? It's because we like to try all of our ideas first. Then when all fails, then only is when we go to God, like prayer is our last resort. Look what it's come to. Oh, now we got to, we're, we're nothing left to do but pray, I guess. I'm not telling you not to try different ideas and work hard. Well, we should have gone to God in prayer first. Maybe if we prayed, God help us to avoid mistakes. Maybe that could have saved you some time and and heartache. I'm not against what you're doing, but I'm questioning your priority. Only God is the fulfiller of every desire of our heart. Check this. If you need joy, it's found in Him. If you need peace, it's found in Him. If you need hope, it's found in Him. If you need love, it's found in Him. If you need protection, it's found in Him. Put it in the chat. If you need provision, it's found in Him. If you need direction, it's found in Him. If you need wisdom, it's found in Him. In Christ alone. If you have a need, it's found in Him. Instead of going to the throne of God, we run to the phone to yap it out. Maybe those people are more lost than you are. We put prayer to the last. Instead of going to God, We go to Google. Okay, okay. Home life is not working out. Wife is going in a different direction than you. You tried counseling. You tried therapy. You tried vacation. You tried gifts. Man, nothing is working. God. Okay, okay. I need help with school. So I'm going to take a night class and then switch around my courses. I'm going to take this thing and that thing. I'm going to go to Kumon. I'm a little old to go to Kumon. I'm still going to go to Kumon. And... um, 
I don't have time to watch online church. I catch up. I'll catch up when I have time. And no time for connect group or this Thursday prayer that uh, the church does or Bible study. I'm, I'm not going to that because I got to study hard. I tried everything. Nothing is working. God, okay, okay. I have a financial need. I got to do maybe overtime and find a second job and save money because I want to buy a house. Um, I can't give money to church though. Uh, sorry, God. I think, Lord, you'll understand, right? So I can't give tithing right now because I'm trying to save. I got to ask for a raise at my workplace and maybe sell some stuff. Man, I've tried everything. It's not working. God, What Jesus is trying to explain to this worn out Samaritan woman is, My daughter, I want you to draw from a different well. Every day you're drawing from this earthly well, time after time, and not being satisfied. But I want you to know that there is a spiritual well that you can tap into, that you can draw from. Whatever you need, you can pull it from me, Jesus says. I am the living water. I am the abundant life. I am the lover of your soul. I am your anchor. I am your rock. I am your shield. I am your fortress. I am your protector. Everything you need, I am, Jesus says. I am that I am. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Jesus has the power of God by which he has given us everything we need to live and to serve God. We have these things because we know him. Jesus called us by his glory and goodness. Through these, he gave us the very great and precious promises. With these gifts, you can share in God's nature. We have access to live through his supernatural power. And the world will not ruin you with its evil desires. Check this. God has given us everything we need to live and serve God. Everything is found in him. Our heart's desire can only be fulfilled by God. This is a wonderful point to put a fun emoji and say amen. But what do you do when your anxiety attacks you on your drive home? Or when you lay down on your bed at night? When you open your work email? When you study for your exam and you're starting to panic? When you walk into the doctor's office to go over the results? When your child comes to you and says, Mom, Dad, I have a pain in my body. What do you do when you face those attacks? That's the moment to apply the word of God. This is where we got a desire to apply this verse. All right, God, I'm still scared, but I'm going to draw from you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need your strength right now, Jesus. Cry out to him. Lord, I need you. I need to draw from... I can't do this on my own, Jesus. I need to draw from you to get through this. Today, church, I'm challenging you. Pull what you need. What do you need? You need strength. You need hope. You need love. You need purpose. Pull from Jesus today. Check this. This woman is not living right. Yet, Jesus is sitting beside her and he's talking to her. Jesus is breaking the rules for this sinful woman. She's not living up to par, up to the standards of the world. But Jesus goes to her. He had to go. She had five husbands and living with the guy. Jesus divinely reveals all of that, but he doesn't criticize her. She's amazed. Jesus has a conversation with her, but he doesn't make her feel bad. The world may judge her. The world may judge you. 
But Jesus is not criticizing you. He's not pointing fingers at you. He's the God who's waiting for you at the well. Because he has what you need today. Draw from him. He wants you to draw from him. He wants you to talk to him. He wants you to open up your heart and receive that living water. That he's freely giving you so that your life doesn't have to be dead and dry. But it can overflow. Overflow with joy. Overflow with peace. Overflow with purpose. The only reason why he lets her know that he knows what's going on in her life. It's because he recognizes that she's drawing from that place of pleasure. That place of desire. Something that's unfulfilling to her. And Jesus, in his great love for her, he says, Hey, let's make a small tweak. Let's make a small adjustment here. Let's move wells from all those men that are using you to me. To an everlasting, never failing, unconditional love. Anything you need, I have for you. Anything you're lacking, I have for you. This is what Jesus is trying to explain to her. I am the spring of living water. He was saying, whatever you're looking for, I am. Check this. She comes to the well carrying a water jar. But in verse 28 and 29, the woman left. What she do? She left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone. Verse 29. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Wait a minute. Didn't she come to get water? Then why did she leave her water jar behind? She didn't need that water anymore. That was the way she collected water for her household up until now. But as soon as she had a conversation with Jesus, she laid it all down. She laid down the normal thing she ran to. She laid it all down and ran back to tell everyone about what Jesus has done for her and what Jesus has done in her. Hey, let me ask you something. How can you tell if you had a real encounter with God? By what you are willing to leave behind afterwards. The culture and the customs of this world says, if it feels good, then do it. It's all about you. Sometimes that mentality seeps into the church too. We fool ourselves thinking that Christianity and Jesus is all about me. Me, 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 and more of me. Me blessing. Me comfort. Service time that I like. Worship songs that I like. Pastor need to be preaching the way that I like. Coffee brewed my way. Me, 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 me. Sounds like my one-year-old whining. Wah, 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 wah. Do you know the real mark of an encounter is? What you are willing to leave behind. God will come to fulfill you if you thirst for Him. If you desire Him. As I was praying and preparing for today. Man, the presence of God just came in such an amazing, tangible way. I was worshiping and praying. The presence of God came down so strong and so tangibly. I started crying and, and praying and worshiping. Man, it was such a, a, a beautiful moment. I started saying crazy stuff like, Lord, I am nothing, but you are everything. Lord, I am yours. Lord, I hold nothing back. I won't turn back. I lay it all down for you, Lord Jesus. 
I started saying stuff like that. In the moment of encounter, what is our response? My response is, Jesus, I give you everything. If you are serious, tell him that right now from your heart. You don't have to put it in the chat. But tell him, Lord Jesus, you are my everything. I surrender it all to you. If you're serious, tell him right now. If your heart is not burning for Jesus, if you can't let go, what you are missing is a true encounter with Jesus. You can make excuses all you want while your heart grew cold. Oh, you know, COVID and online church. But Jesus is the God who crossed cultural and religious boundaries to find you. Jesus went to the cross for you so that you can have a real relationship with Him. And that's possible today. He can meet you today, wherever you are. If you'd have a conversation with Him today, if you would just sit beside Him and open up your heart, you can connect with Jesus. You can have an encounter with Jesus. Once you have a true encounter with Jesus, you'd say crazy stuff like, I don't care anymore. I don't care what people think of me anymore. I don't care what the world has to say anymore. I'm going to draw from the well of Jesus. I'm a man. I'm a woman on a mission for Jesus. Put that in the chat. I'm a man on mission for Jesus. I'm a woman uh, on mission for Jesus. I ain't got time to waste. I got important kingdom work to do. I got a world to tell about Jesus. I'm running. After Jesus and what he wants me to do. I got better things to do. I got kingdom business to do. When you have an encounter, you'll say, I'll give it all up for you, Jesus. I'll give it all up for the sake of the call of God on my life. I'll lay it all down. Right now, God is stirring up your heart right now. Right now, I want to pray. Put your hand on your heart. God is stirring up a fresh hunger. In our hearts. God is stirring up a fresh thirst in your souls right now. Yes, Lord. Lord, I speak right now for every hungry and thirsty heart. Father, in the name of Jesus, that they would open up their hearts. Lord, let them have a radical encounter with you today. That you would meet them. And that, Father, that you would help them to draw from you whatever they need. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When you have that radical encounter with Jesus, you will say, Lord, I lay it all down for you. God is stirring that hunger in our hearts. God is stirring that thirst in our souls. Not just for another church meeting, but for Him. To know Him personally. And when we meet Him, the answer is yes. Yes, Lord. When you encounter God, it's not what I can get, but it's what can I give you, Lord. Not what can I save, but what can I sacrifice for you, Lord. Every desire in you, good or bad, its root need God will fill. Maybe you tried to fulfill it in other ways. Maybe you tried and went to other wells. Maybe it's your relationship. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe you've never been single. You you go from relationship to relationship. You never had singleness of heart. You know you'll never be satisfied in your marriage until you are satisfied in God. And you could be blaming your spouse all you want for not feeling fulfilled. Nobody's able to fix your broken heart. Only Jesus can. Everything else is a fake. Everything else is a replica. Everything else is bogus. Everything else is like the stuff that you would get on a bargain. It looks good for a moment. It feels good for a moment, for a little while. But doesn't last. 
doesn't satisfy your soul. Jesus is waiting for you at the well. Whatever you need, He's got it. Come and drink from the well. He's the real thing. He wants your marriage to last. He wants your family to last. He wants you to leave a lasting legacy. He wants you to prosper and flourish and be successful in all that you do. But nobody can fix you. Nobody can give you that fulfillment unless you drink from the well. And that is Jesus. Jesus is the living water. I'm a good husband when I'm fulfilled in Jesus. My wife is a good wife when she's fulfilled in Jesus. I'm not her answer and she's not my answer. But Jesus is our answer. And when Jesus is the answer, I can love her well. Me, her, Jesus. When we go towards Jesus, we cannot be separated. When we get the vertical figured out, that's when the horizontal will work out. I can only be a good dad if my relationship with Jesus is strong. Today, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you need to get serious with God. You need to give Him a chance. I want to give you an opportunity to invite Jesus into your heart today. Right now in the chat, you will see a button pop up that says, raise a hand. Click on that button. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I believe you are God. I believe you died for my sins and that you rose again on the third day. Wash me by your precious blood. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I am yours. I surrender. Lord, help me to draw from you my everlasting well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.